Amen. Great time of worship this morning. I want to say to our teenagers, thank you all for being here this morning. All of you, you've encouraged me so much with your presence here today. I want to talk to you this morning, not so much about God speaking to us, but about us hearing God speak to us. That I believe that there are times, I know that God speaks to us continually, uh, lavishly, uh, abundantly. He's always there, He's always speaking. And the question becomes, though we may be listening, are we hearing His voice And there's a difference. I want to talk to you this morning more specifically about decisions. We all make decisions in our life. Every single day, we make decisions. Some decisions we may think are inconsequential. They're small decisions. Some some decisions that we make, we understand and we acknowledge that these are life-altering decisions. I think about our teenagers who are here this morning I think about some of the decisions they're going to be making in the days ahead. Who who, who am I going to call my closest friends? That's a huge, huge decision. What am I going to study in school? Am I going to be involved in other people's lives? Very, very important decisions. Who am I going to date? What am I going to do when I get out of school? What are my options? Is the military an option for me? Should I continue My education, maybe go to a trade school. All of those decisions are vital, vital decisions. And all of us are making decisions every single day of our lives. The follower of Jesus doesn't make decisions the same way that the world makes decisions. What we apply to the decisions we make is different than the world. The world may apply knowledge. It may apply logic. It may apply common sense. It may apply experience, life experiences. And though we as believers and followers of Jesus, we we utilize those things in our life. The number one thing that we use when we, what we apply to decisions that we make is wisdom. Wisdom is what we want to apply to every decision, no matter how inconsequential it may seem. Wisdom is unique because wisdom doesn't come from a book. Wisdom doesn't come from a degree. Wisdom, it doesn't even come from life experiences. The Bible is very, very clear. Wisdom comes from God. When God speaks to us, that is wisdom. Everything that He speaks to us is wisdom. Solomon, in the book of Proverbs, if you're following with the notes that are in the bulletin, I'm going to... I'm going to do number two first, and number one second, okay? Solomon writes in the book of Proverbs, in the the, uh, first chapter of the book of Proverbs, and here's what he says. Here's what Solomon writes. Out in the open, maybe some Bibles that you have say out in the streets, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square, 
On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. Wisdom is readily available to all who will hear the voice of God. And, and, and wisdom is speaking here. In this passage of Scripture, wisdom is speaking to us. It's not God speaking to us. It's not Solomon speaking to us. This is wisdom. Wisdom is crying out. And, he, and she's saying, I'm available to you. And she goes on in the 22nd verse. And she says this, How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? He describes in this 22nd verse three different kinds of people. More specifically, how they respond to the wisdom that's readily available to them. One of the people, he says, are, are people who are, are simple people. That word means naive. It might mean gullible. That's the person who thinks that they already know everything. They have all of the knowledge that they need. They don't really need to look to wisdom. They don't need to look to God. That's the, that's the simple person. That's the naive person. And wisdom calls out to that person. And she says, how long? How long? Will you who are simple love your simple ways? She goes on and she says, How long will mockers delight in mockery? Mockers are those who think that the, that the wisdom of God, the revelation of God, God's voice in someone's life, that, that they think that purity and righteousness and, and right and good, they think it's silly and they mock God. Oh, you're going to do what's right. Well, that's sweet. And those people are, are, are everywhere, and wisdom calls out, how long will you do that? How long will you do that? How long will you be naive? How long will you mock? And then he addresses someone else. She addresses someone else. How long will fools hate knowledge? And fools are those who really, really know the difference, right, wrong. They just don't care. They're just going to do what they want to do Anyway, and then verse 23, wisdom. This is what wisdom says to us. Repent. Turn from that. I don't know if there's anyone here this morning who might see themselves as, as you know, I, I've got it figured out. I don't really need God. Or, or I, I, I mock at righteousness. Or I know the difference between right and wrong, and I, and I don't care. And wisdom says to us, repent. Repent and turn away from that and turn your heart and your mind toward God. Listen to me is what he is saying. And then here's what it says in the 21st verse. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. Turn from that. Turn to God. Give him yourself. Listen to wisdom. Listen when he speaks. And I will pour out to you all of my teachings, he says, I will make known to you wisdom. The number one enemy of wisdom is our own desires. The number one enemy of wisdom, the reason that we might find ourselves 
being simple, being naive, being gullible, making decisions based on pure, purely knowledge or purely experience the re- is, is our own desires. It's, it, it, it's how we manipulate God. It's our own desires versus what we know God says, what we know he wants. We say, I want, I want, I know wisdom says that, but I want this. I I know my mama told me that, but I want this. I know God says that, but I want this. And we've got to understand, and what Solomon is saying in this passage is, there's a cause and effect. If we, if we took the time to read the rest of that passage of Scripture, he talks about how calamity comes, how destruction comes when we don't make our decisions based on what God says. And the Bible says in this passage of Scripture, it says in verse 28, because when calamity comes or after calamity comes or when we find ourselves in this situation, then we call out to wisdom. Then we call out to wisdom. It's why so often people won't listen to God until they come to this place of brokenness. The end of the rope. Nothing else they can do. They don't know where to turn. The situation seems hopeless. This sense of brokenness, this sense of dread, this sense of hopelessness, and we turn our eyes and our ears to God. That's exactly what wisdom is saying to us here. How long are you going to ignore me? How long are you going to deny me? If you'll repent, if you'll turn to me, I'll pour out. But if you don't, there's going to be a cause and effect. There's going to be consequences. There's going to be calamity. And when you find yourself in that calamity, you'll turn to me consequences not applying wisdom to decisions that we make may not go away sometimes i have people in that broken state who come into my office maybe it's a couple and they say something like this you know what i'm at the end i i i want to turn my life around i want to give myself wholly to god and tell me tell me what scripture to read tell me what bible study to go to Tell me, tell, and I have to be honest and say, you know what? There's not a magic pill. There's not a magic scripture. Some of these things that you're experiencing right now, you know, they may not go away. Because there's this cause and effect. But God is faithful. We can begin today fresh and anew. This idea that all of the consequences from decisions that are made without applying wisdom will vanish when we turn to God is simply just not the way that it works. There's a story I want to share with you from 2 Chronicles 18. And I think that we see this in there. This wasn't a whole long time after Solomon wrote these words. The people of Israel, after Solomon had died, went through a succession of kings, and some of these kings were not godly kings. And 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 these were not a people who were following after God. And the result of that was a civil war in Israel and the kingdom divided into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was Israel, whose king was Jehoshaphat. The southern kingdom was Judah. The northern king was Israel, whose king was Ahab. The southern kingdom was Judah, whose king was Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat and Ahab, two kings, one of the southern 
kingdom, one of the northern kingdom, were friends. They were buddies. As a matter of fact, they kind of were related by marriage. They were in-laws, as a matter of fact. And Ahab invited Jehoshaphat up to Israel to spend some time. And so Jehoshaphat gets his contingency together and all of his food, his entourage, and he makes the trip, and Ahab welcomes him and throws a gigantic party for him. And there's revelry, and I'm sure probably after a little bit of wine had been consumed, he and Jehoshaphat and Ahab, they get together, and Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, I'm going to go to battle against the city of Ramoth-Gilead. It's a small city, but it's a very, very rich city. And I want you to join me in that battle. I'm inviting you to join me in that battle. And Jehoshaphat says something like, well, you know what? We're of the same mind, same people, and I'll do that. But let me ask you this question. Have you inquired of the Lord about this decision? And Ahab goes, well, you know, I... I, I kind of separate business from the spiritual. I really haven't inquired of the Lord, but I have about 20 prophets on my staff. Let's ask them what they say. So he brings in the 20 prophets. He asks them, you know what my plans are? I want to go to Ramoth Gilead. I want to go to what? What do y'all say? And they're enthusiastic. Yes, king, go. Fight, you'll, you'll experience great, great victory. Jehoshaphat says to Ahab, oh, give me a break. These guys, you pay. They're going to say whatever you want to hear. Do you have anybody who will tell you what the Lord says? Ahab goes, well, yeah, there's this one guy. His name is Micaiah. Man, every time... I bring him in. He tells me stuff I don't want to hear. Jehoshaphat says, bring him in. And so they bring in Micaiah. And Ahab says, Micaiah, you know what my plans are. I want to go and I want to do battle. And What do you think? What does the Lord say? And Micaiah actually is sarcastic. And he goes, yeah, go. You'll experience victory. And you see in the Scripture, 2 Chronicles 18, that Ahab looks at Micaiah and goes, come on, man. I'm serious. I want to know what the Lord says. And Micaiah says, King, if you go to battle, you're not coming back. You will experience defeat. As a matter of fact, what the the vision that the Lord gives me is that all of your men will be like sheep without a shepherd because, King, you won't come back. That was the word of the Lord. What is the word of the Lord? That is wisdom. And wisdom is what we apply to decisions. But Ahab had made up his mind. His desires controlled him. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to go to war. And it did not matter what the Lord said. And so he had his men arrest Micaiah and put him in jail. And he said to the men, when we return from war, you can let Micaiah out of jail. And Micaiah's response to that was, if you come back, then obviously I didn't hear the voice of the Lord. But mark my words. You're not coming back. 
They threw him in jail. Now look, I'll make the story short. They go off to war, Jehoshaphat and Ahab. By the way, just before they were getting ready to attack, Ahab says to Jehoshaphat, hey, I got an idea. I'm going to put on the battle garment. I'm going to put on the armor. I'm going to dress like a soldier. You dress like a king. Why did he say that? Because he knew the enemy was going to go after the king. Dear friend, right? Listen, that happens all of the time. And they go into the battle, and sure enough, they came after King Jehoshaphat. And when they realized who he was, they turned away from him. And here's what the Bible says. That though Ahab was staying away from the heat of the battle, from Rayon Gilead, there was a soldier, and the Bible uses the word randomly. He randomly shoots an arrow into the air. And the arrow finds its way between the hinges of the armor of King Ahab and strikes him. And he doesn't die, but he's dying. And he says to his chariot driver, all of this is in 2 Chronicles 18, get me away from the battle, for I've been injured. And the last verse says he looked up from the chariot and died. Now look, we kind of knew that's what was going to happen, right? We've seen enough movies. We've seen enough stories. That's the way that that was going to end. And we think to ourselves, Ahab, how can you be so careless? How, how, how can you mock God like that? How, how can you turn away from the wisdom that God offers you? And listen to me, folks. We do this all of the time. You know what God says but your desires control you. And you won't listen to wisdom. You, you listen to what you want. Now, I know this is going to touch a nerve, and this is just one example. I know that this is going to hurt some people. I have couples come into my office, and they tell me we're going to get a divorce. Can you give us some counsel on that? <laughs> and here's what I say. I can tell you what God says. God says no. Well, that rarely ever impacts that couple. Uh, Dale, I, you know, we're going to get married and... Um, um, but, you know, finances are tight, so we're going to live together until we get married. What, what, what do you think? I can only tell you what God says. Here is wisdom. Here is God's voice. Don't do that. It won't end well. I, I, I had um, Michael Malloy and, and Maria in my office this past week, they're going to get married in November, and they've been going through this really, really neat premarital counseling kind of program. And they learned in that premarital counseling program that the number one cause of divorce in America today will very much surprise you. The number one cause, cause of divorce in America today is couples living together before they get married. So... 
we know, oftentimes when we make a decision, we know what God says. But our desires override wisdom. And I think that what, one of the things, certainly, that God wants us to see this morning is that is a path that leads to death, to destruction, to calamity. Now, I want to kind of switch gears a little bit and tell you that I see this in the New Testament too. Throughout the gospel accounts, when we see Jesus teaching, he uses these words often. He'll give a teaching, and then he'll look at the crowd, and he'll say this, he who has ears, let him hear. It's, It's him saying, I know that you all heard me, You were all listening, but did you hear what I had to say? He who has ears, let him hear. It leads us to this place of understanding that we can listen and not hear. That there is a state of our being, that there is a place we can be at as a believer, as a Christian, where we we hear God's voice, we understand what he's teaching, but we're not receiving it. We're not getting it. And it's interesting to me that when Jesus says this, and he says it over and over and over again, he who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. That he was quoting from an Old Testament verse in the book of Ezekiel, the second chapter, and the 20th verse. And that verse says this, Son of man, you were living among a rebellious people. They have eyes to see, but they don't see. They have ears to hear, but they don't hear. For they are a rebellious people. So that state that we're in, when, we, when we're listening but we're not hearing, we're not receiving, we're not getting what God has for us, we're not receiving that wisdom, that state that we're in is a rebellious state. Now when we think of, the, of rebellion, we think of the... Of the, of the crazy person, the person who's rejected God, the person who doesn't want anything to do with God. But he's talking about God's people here. He's talking about people in this room this morning. He's talking about people who are faithful in attendance. So how can we describe those kind of people as rebellious people? Jesus teaches us that if we are going to treat him as a genie in a bottle if we're going to kind of want to carry him around in our back pocket so that we can pull him out when he need him when we need him that that's a rebellious state that if we're unwilling to surrender ourselves 100% to him we're in a rebellious state that when we live our lives in such a way where we say to God God please watch over my children but I'll take care of my business That's a rebellious state. When we pick and choose how we want to use God, we find ourselves in a rebellious state. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is saying to those who love Him and are following Him, He's going, listen, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. That's how you ought to pray. That ought to be your heart. Thy will be done. You know what that means? That means, God, 
My life is a blank check. You do anything you want to with my life. There's nothing in my life I'm keeping hidden from you. There's nothing in my life I'm not giving to you. There's nothing in my life I'm not surrendering to you. I am all yours. This is a blank check. And if I take one thing back, I'm in a rebellious state. And if I'm in a rebellious state, the Bible says I have ears to hear, but I can't hear. And if I can't hear, there's no wisdom. And if there's no wisdom, how am I making decisions? Is there a part of your life you won't give him? It's a path that leads to calamity. It's a path that leads to destruction. It's a path that leads to death. He says, I want all of you. I think another verse that we could use in that is Psalm 4610. Here's where he says this. Be still and know that I am God. Now think about that. What is that in the world that got to do with wisdom? It's this, it's this place where we acknowledge who he is, where we recognize who he is, where we're in awe of who he is, where it's, it's hard to stand on our feet in his presence in that way. Be still. Know that I am God. Know that I hold all power in my hand. Know that, there's, uh, that I'm infinite in knowledge, that there's nothing that I don't know. Know that I'm intricately involved in your life. Know that I do whatever I want to do. I ask no one's permission. Know that I love you, and I love you perfectly. Know that I am God. Know that I am God. And it reminds me of the verse in Psalms where it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Some of you, 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 you think you want a God who's just available to you when you have a problem. You think that you want a God who's just going to come to you and give you counsel in your time of need. But that is not our God. That's not the God you want when someone you love is dying on a, on a hospital bed. You want a God who's God, who's all-powerful, who does anything that He wants to do. That's the kind of God you want. That's the kind of God that you want in making decisions. You want to understand. You want to be still and know that He is God. You want to fear the Lord. That is to say, reverence the Lord. That is to say, be in awe of God. You worship Him. And because of who He is, only because of who He is, you give yourself wholly and totally to Him. You don't do that because of what you get out of it. You do that because He's worthy of that. He's God. And the fear of God, the awe of God, the reverence of God is the beginning of wisdom. Followers of Jesus, they don't make decisions the way the world makes decisions. They make decisions, they apply to their decisions wisdom. Wisdom is God speaking. But we can't hear his voice if there's one area of our life that we have not surrendered to him. When we surrender all, then he gives us clarity what he wants us to do and what his will is. And that is the way to live. That's the way to live.
Listen, it has been my experience that when God tells me what to do, sometimes it doesn't make sense. And sometimes it's not logical. And sometimes it doesn't fit in my box of common sense. We see that all throughout Scripture. Noah, build an ark in the middle of a desert. That's God's wisdom. Joshua, march around the city seven times and blow a horn and you'll have victory. That don't make sense. Elijah, before you light the altar, pour a bunch of water on it. It just doesn't make sense. But it's wisdom. Why? Because it's God's voice. It's God speaking. You have ears. Do you hear? How do I, how do I know I hear? You surrender every area of your life to him. You hold nothing back. Do you want that? I invite you to stand. We're going to pray. We're going to worship a little bit. Please don't leave early. I have a real important announcement I want to make to you. But listen, this is a hard teaching. It really is. Because there's not a one of us in this room who haven't experienced allowing our desires to control our life that our desires become more important to us than the voice of God. Not a one of us in this room. But today is a day where we say, God, I give you every single area of my life. I surrender it all. I'm all in. I'm totally yours. I'm holding nothing back. That's when you begin to hear his voice. Those people that come in my office and they're broken and they're hopeless and they don't know what to do they're at a place where they can hear God's voice. They want to give it all up. They have no options. God, speak. God, tell me what to do. You don't have to wait till that time. You can say this morning, I'm not going to be rebellious. I'm not going to hold anything back. Everything that I have belongs to you. My life is a blank check. I surrender all. I surrender all. Lord Jesus, I think that there are probably people here this morning who go, I, don't, I just don't, I don't get that. I don't believe that. That won't work in my life. Anything that I can talk them into, somebody else can talk them out of. But Holy Spirit, you can reveal truth. You can reveal truth. Help us to embrace it, to throw our arms around it, to receive it, to make it a part of who we are. Help us to walk in it. Give us ears to hear is my prayer in Jesus' name.